I have a question for your reflection. As usual, usually we end these podcast episodes with a question for your reflection. Sometimes I like to start with one, and today I'm going to start with one. We'll talk about why I think that question is important for your reflection right now, astrologically, and then of course we'll end with yoga practices and journal prompts to help you make the most out of the current astrological energy. And so here's the question. Are you more likely to choose suffering over discomfort? And every time I ask people that question, they say, absolutely not. I will be uncomfortable to get out of suffering for sure. I will like, absolutely. I'm not going to choose suffering. That's what people tell me with their words. And I think in a lot of um, well-meaning senses, we do think that. Um, but I see with people's actions most of the time, and myself included, I actually like said this to my husband the other day. I was like, well, I'd rather stick with the devil I know than the devil I don't, right? I said that to him. And that, to me, is an example of choosing suffering over discomfort. And this was like in a minor situation. It was like related to drinking coffee. But um, so it can apply to anything. We're going to talk about that relationship between comfort and nourishment within ourselves and spiritual growth or personal growth and all of that kind of stuff and how that relates to the upcoming full moon in sidereal cancer in the nakshatra of Pushya. It's happening next week, next Thursday, January 25th, 2024, around 1 p.m. Eastern time. Of course, I will give you all the astrological details and the factors that go into why I bring up this question. And then, of course, more questions for your reflection. We always end with yoga practices and journal prompts because this is the Yogi Scopes podcast. First, I would like to just extend you a warm welcome. You're listening to the Yogi Scopes podcast. If you're new around here, we use the Vedic sidereal system of astrology, which feels important, especially for the new and full moon episodes, because I get a lot of folks that just maybe before hearing this podcast, you had no idea that there was more than one kind of astrology and let alone more than one kind of astrology, but more than one zodiac. So I know there's a lot of confusion around that. I've created some resources. If you go to yogiscopes.com slash blog, um, or if you can just go to yogiscopes.com and click on articles, you'll find some more resources about what is Vedic astrology, why use the sidereal zodiac. But also, if you have questions, I am doing a Facebook Live in the Yoga Horoscopes Facebook group next Tuesday at noon Eastern time. So you can catch the live. You can, you can join the Facebook group to watch the recording where I'm going to go over a lot of these basics because a lot of new people have joined the Facebook group. And so it felt timely to sort of get back to basics of all these questions of like, why use the sidereal zodiac? Why even pair your yoga practice with astrology, which is what we do here at Yogi Scopes. That's yoga horoscopes. That's the whole idea, right? Um, to let our yoga practice flow with the current energies so that we can feel more embodied in our lives. And so I'm going to talk about more of the hows and whys of that in that upcoming Facebook Live. So I won't spend any more time belaboring the point here and now. Let's just jump into the full moon report for this upcoming full moon in Cancer. And so first, before I talk too much about 
the full moon. Sorry, I say let's jump into it. And I'm like, well, wait a second, back up. It is snowing outside at my house right now. Um, and it was not in the forecast. Okay. Uh, it's like super duper snow. I live somewhere that like, I live in the mountains of North Carolina in the U.S. So if you're familiar with that, if you're not, you know, like whatever. Our climate here is, we do get four seasons, but it's not like, like I know some folks that live in Colorado or even like in the Midwest in the U.S. And it starts snowing there in like October and it will likely be pretty snowy throughout the winter in places like that. But here we like maybe get like we're lucky if we get one good snow per winter. Like last year, I don't think it really snowed and stuck at all. Like not one time, but the winter before it snowed like six times. So it's kind of unpredictable. Snow is not that usual here. And so the reason I bring that up is because it's on my mind. But the what I was thinking about it is like we have meteorologists, right? Like whose job it is to pay a lot of attention to the weather patterns and try to predict what's going to happen, right? And sometimes they miss the mark. It will snow and nobody will have said any. Actually, so that's that's not true. Um, there is a local guy here in Asheville where I live who just so happens to be like a home builder. Like he's like a general contractor who has a meteorology degree and he just does like Facebook lives to tell about the weather. And he's the only one who ever gets it right. And the reason he gets it right, and when, whereas like the weather apps and things like the National Weather Services typically don't, is because he grew up in these mountains and he has that meteorology degree and meteorology knowledge. And so I bring all of that up to say, when we're studying astrology, it's kind of, and I know some people are going to be like, whoa, whoa, no, it's not the same thing. It's kind of similar to meteorology. What we're looking at is past patterns that these conditions have created. And we're trying to forecast that um, patterning. We're trying to like extrapolate from past cycles and see what's going to happen, what we think is going to happen, make a best educated guess, right? And so that's kind of what it means to be an astrologer is you're going to like this um, person. His name is Hunter Ward, FYI. Like, I'm like super obsessed with his weather stuff. And it, interestingly, my husband also works in construction and he works for some general contractors that are like always in the same circles, same neighborhoods as their construction business. Anyway, um, he always gets it right. And he grew up in the mountains. And so with astrology, it's the same thing. This is something I'm always trying to communicate like to my students and something that I'll also touch on in that Facebook Live is I pay a lot of attention to the astrology. That's what it means to be an astrologer. But I did not grow up in your life, right? I'm going to give you the best prediction that I can. Um, and so that's something that I touch on, that I talk about a lot when it comes to being a trauma-informed Vedic astrologer, which also, um, 
I'm enrolling for the certification to become a trauma-informed Vedic astrologer. Right now, it's called Astrology for Yogis. If you want to know more about it, I would encourage you to join the um, creative sequencing based on Vedic astrology masterclass that I'm offering. One is tomorrow, Saturday, January 20th, and the next one is they're the same class. You can just choose a time to join is Monday, January 22nd. Um, if you want to find out more about that, or you can just go to yogiscopes.com slash AFY. If you want to learn more about the program, if you're like already sold on this, if you're like, yes, Rose, this is why I'm here listening to your podcast. Um, check that out. But that's to me what it means to be a trauma-informed Vedic astrologer is like, I might be the expert on the astrology, like these national um, weather people. So I might make some pretty good educated guesses at how these astrological things, forces, uh, cycles are going to play out. But I never want to act like I am the expert in your life. And that's the trauma-informed difference. That's what I noticed that most other astrologers have no concept of that. They act like they are the expert on your life because they might know more about astrology than you do. But that's my analogy to like, this hunter guy always gets it right because he grew up here. He has an embodied sense of like, excuse me, how these things are going to play out weather-wise. Um, and so he actually predicted this snow. He did say it was going to come later in the day, but my weather app did not even have precipitation in the forecast. Anyway, that was just on my mind. Thought I'd bring it up um, because it's also related to this full moon in Cancer. So now, thank you for listening to my spiel. Let's talk about the full moon in sidereal cancer happening in Pushya Nakshatra. Of course, we're going to talk about um, the Nakshatra and all of what that means. But first, let's talk about what the moon in cancer means. So cancer is the only sign that's ruled by the moon. Okay. And so we have all these planets in astrology, right? Like we have the sun, the moon, um, Mercury rules two signs, Saturn rules two signs, Venus rules two signs, Mars rules two, like most of them rule two signs, but the sun and the moon only rule one each, right? And so that, you know, matters. But um, the fact that this Cancer is ruled by the moon, it and the moon is here or in its fullness brings this really deep connection to emotions and the other sort of significations of the moon, which is already the moon represents the mother. There's this connection to comfort, nurturing, because hopefully most mothers are nurturing, right? Like that's hopefully, um, and I, an aside is this is tough. I, I always like hate to say this, but it's true because I am also a mom. I have two really little kids. Um, and historically, your relationship with your primary caregiver, which can be somebody else, but historically, most often is the mother or the birthing person, the person who birthed the baby, will most often be the primary caregiver. And your relationship with that primary caregiver, most often the mother, will be, will determine your relationship with nourishment, with nourishing yourself, right? And so that is all seen in the sign of cancer 
and in the fourth house and moon placements in Vedic astrology. So all of these themes are really extra important. And so that's why I started off with that question about what's your relationship to um, comfort and suffering. And we'll dive more into it with journal prompts at the end, as always. So I just wanted to kind of point out that cancer, the moon being in cancer and cancer also being the only sign that is ruled by the moon, um, being a reason, one of the reasons that those themes are being brought up. And we're going to talk more about the nakshatra where this full moon is happening uh, to discuss why more reasons, basically why this theme is being brought up. But first, I want to talk about other things happening astrologically in the sky, because at any new and full moon, um, the at a new moon, the sun and the moon are together in one sign in the sky. At a full moon, they are completely opposite each other. So the sun is in Capricorn right now. The sun actually just moved to Capricorn this week, which is contradictory to what you might be hearing if you're out there on the internet. They'll be talking about how it's almost Aquarius season. And so this is this is why I'm like, if you're confused by that, please come to the Facebook Live that's happening on Tuesday in the Yoga Plus Astrology Facebook group. I actually changed the name to Yoga Horoscopes. It's always linked in the show notes, but you can also find the Yogi Scopes Facebook page and there's like a tab for groups so that you can make sure you find the right one um, anyway. Or you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash Yogi Scopes. That's another good way to get there. Anyway, um, it's not almost Aquarius season. In fact, it is still pretty largely Sagittarius season. We still have a lot of energy in Sagittarius right now in the sky. And so I bring this up because, like I was saying, at any new and full moon, there's going to be at least the sign where the sun is being activated at a new moon. At a full moon, it's the sign where the sun is plus the sign that's directly across from it, which in this case is Capricorn and Cancer. They form an axis. Axes are sort of important. Um, not the topic of this discussion, but anyway, we're not even solidly in Capricorn season, really. And so I've been urging folks uh, in various ways through the podcast and through the office hours that I have in the 100 Healers Circle and stuff like that to really consider, has the energy up until this point, like recently for the past few weeks, have you really felt like getting your shit together or have you been more like thinking about getting your shit together, like planning what you're going to do when you get your shit together, right? Okay, so that's Sagittarius energy having this like vision, like, like dream boarding, that is a Sagittarius or vision boarding, I meant to say dream boarding is another good word for it. But making a vision board, that's so Sagittarius energy. But then actually like getting your butt into the gym or, you know, meal planning or that kind of stuff, or whatever it is that you might have been setting as your New Year's resolution, if you do that, um, it's gotten quite popular in the wellness spaces these days to like eschew New Year's resolutions because they're ineffective. And I would urge astrologically that part of the reason they're ineffective is because Sagittarius season is like mid-December to mid-January. That is not Capricorn season. And I would ask you to take a look at your life and see if you feel like you're really 
working hard, which is a very Capricorn energy, and getting grounded into your structures in your life from mid-December to mid-January. Does that feel like Capricorn season to you? Or does it feel more like Sagittarius season where you're like going on adventures and socializing and, and setting a vision for your life and, and thinking about what really truly matters to you, that kind of thing? That's very Sagittarius energy. And that is what the energy has felt like to me um, for the past several weeks. And so just check in with yourself because Venus just moved to Sagittarius yesterday, right? So Venus will be in Sagittarius until into February, right? And Mercury is still there because of its retrograde in December. And Mercury is still in Sagittarius. Sometimes Mercury will have already moved to Capricorn by now. The sun is the only like predictable one because it doesn't go retrograde. Venus and Mercury and Mars all go retrograde. Anyway, Mars is still in Sagittarius. So the Sagittarius energy is still high right now. It's still a time to kind of plan and scheme. And we're just kind of trickling into that energy because the sun just moved to Capricorn last Sunday, in fact, the January 14th. And so we have this full moon in Cancer because the sun is in Capricorn. But I just bring all that up to say that, like, if you haven't really felt like, um, you know, getting down to business, getting your shit together, um, let it be a slow trickle in right now because the energy around Sagittarius, around considering your beliefs, considering um, how you want your beliefs to shape your life and what ways you want to broaden your horizon, like dream board kind of energy, right, or vision board kind of energy very Sagittarius energy. Um, that's the energy of right now. Okay. And so it won't really be until like February that, that, um, getting your shit together energy really heightens of Capricorn season. Like it's already kind of starting, but, but not really that much. Okay. And so I just bring that up because I can't really talk about, I don't like to talk about anything in a vacuum. I like to take a very holistic approach where, that might be what makes this new moon in Cancer different from the new moon in Cancer that happened last year because we might have been more solidly in, or sorry, full moon in Cancer happens at this time of year because that's when the sun would be in Capricorn, um, happens around now. Mm. Excuse me. And so that's what makes this one different is the way the other planets are moving. And so that gets kind of back to the the weather analogy right like things are going to be a little bit different and also you're the expert in your life okay and so that's sort of the comfort or sorry comfort connection to cancer connection to that comfort and that emotional experience so that's a big theme of cancer is like what is your emotional experience right of life what is you know what's going on with that and i can make some accurate guesses usually um but you're the expert in you, right? And so now let's talk about the nakshatra, which is Pushya, which is entirely within Cancer. So we're already within that realm of um, nourishing, that inner sense of comfort. That's a very Cancer energy anyway. And then um, the nakshatra of Pushya translates to nourisher, the nourisher. And the symbol for it, there's a couple symbols, but I'm going to talk about two. One being the cow udder and the other being an arrow, 
Okay, so we're going to think about those two symbols and sort of what they mean, what the symbolism of them is related to this full moon. So a cow udder is very nourishing, like more animals because humans drink milk, humans drink cow's milk. Okay, maybe you don't, but lots of humans do. Um, it will grow a baby cow from very small into a whole huge cow. And it's where that baby gets its nourishment. And the same idea of like not just um, physical nourishment in, in terms of food and nutrients, but also like that connection to the mother. And like, I don't know if cows have like emotional nourishment, but I think they do. Like our neighbors have cows and, and one of them died and the other one was like really sad. And now it's best friends with the dog. Anyway, it's cute. You know what I mean? Like cows, they're like, I call them pasture puppies. They're like, they're just cute. I, I do think they have emotions and feelings. And and I think, anyway, I digress. That that connection to not just physical nourishment of food, but also like emotional nourishment is a very cancer thing. Right. And then so we'll also think about the arrow symbolism. In just a moment. So bookmark that in your brain. We'll come back to it. The ruling planet of this nakshatra is Saturn. Okay. And Saturn and the moon don't super get along, really, um, because the moon wants to be kind of like riding the emotional waves all the time. And Saturn is very even keeled and very like, uh, you know, like I have a friend who's like a, a like a moon cycle coach or something like uh, like teaching people how to align with the cycles of the moon. And that, like, makes sense if you're a very cancer-ruled person, if you really connect with the moon. I'm a super Saturn-ruled person. I, I, in fact, have Saturn with moon in my birth chart. And so I'm very, like, this is a very Saturn energy, like, do it anyway. Do it even when you don't feel like doing, doing it. Do it. Do your duty even when your emotions are, like, not there rather than being more Cancerian, more ruled by the moon, more, like only do what you feel like doing kind of thing. So those energies are a little bit at odds with each other. Um, but you could also think of it as like the sort of dutiful mother. Like what are you, what are you nourishing? Mothers, I think, in my opinion, as a mother is something I strive to be, like to, to always show up for the people that are depending on me, even when I don't feel like it. And also trying to nourish myself. Um, so there's a touch of that going on with this nakshatra. Um, and then the ruling deity for this nakshatra is um, Brihaspati, which is a, a an aspect. Of, it's like another word for Jupiter. It's like the deified version of Jupiter. And Jupiter is guru in Sanskrit. So and also Jupiter is connected to like optimism, generosity benevolence spiritual they're both jupiter and saturn are both spiritual teachers in different ways so with both of those planets as the ruling planet and ruling deity having connections to this nakshatra there is an element of um connection to spiritual teachers spiritual teachings how are you going to be nourished by those things and then let's come back to the arrow symbolism where um, you know, 
you have like a bow and I like to think about like a bow and arrow. What does the arrow do? It's the part that gets propelled forward to reach something that's far away, right? If that makes sense. So you have the bow, right, that you kind of pull back and that's related to Sagittarius. In fact, the Sanskrit word for Sagittarius is Danus, which is like if you're familiar with Danurasana in yoga, uh, upward facing or or Danurasana, upward facing bow pose, Danurasana bow pose. Um, It means bow. And so this nakshatra, we have heightened Sagittarius energy right now. And this nakshatra, which is like the bow, this nakshatra is related to the arrow, right? So really both things are kind of being brought up. But if you think about related to this full moon, like what is the arrow? What is, what are you hoping you can propel forward to reach something that you're trying to get that's far away, right? That's like this wooden arrow is for. Um, and so all of that symbolism that we've talked about related to the nakshatra, related to um, cancer, factors in, plays in to be like overall energies of um fertility is one with the cow productivity those are two big energies brought in by the sort of cow but um then also what is what is your relationship to comfort and nourishment and so this 410 axis because cancer and capricorn are the 4th and 10th signs um this relationship between being feeling at home within yourself, feeling comfort within yourself, feeling nourished, and in doing so, enhancing your ability to show up in the world and do your duty, do your dharma, learn your spiritual lessons, because also the aim of the nakshatra, I didn't say that before, is dharma, um, to be dependable to other people, this sort of like, can you fill your own cup so that you can pour into others? kind of thing is coming up um, at this full moon. So let's talk about how you can consider at this full moon, like what your relationship is with those things, of course, with yoga practices and journal prompts. So the yoga practices would just be heart openers, really. And so I think I talked about this on the new moon and Sagittarius episode, where like a really good one for the Sagittarius energy but it kind of plays in here because we still have the Sagittarius energy heightened and the connection to the like the bow and arrow thing is in warrior two. You can also do this. It's a it's a nice one. I like to work both into a flow personally. In warrior two, you have your arms extended, right? In warrior two, your gaze is over the front fingertips. And then you can, oops, sorry, I'm going to step back. So if you're watching the video, you can see you can bring your back hand palm to palm with your front hand and then on an inhale pull that back as but your hand is sliding against that arm all the way across your heart space all the way back until you open back into warrior two arms so exhale you close off with the rotation of the chest palm to palm inhale as if you were pulling a bow and arrow back bringing your hand across the heart all the way open and so you can do that same motion um, you would come onto your side and exhale, close off palm to palm, inhale all the way open until your, your knees stay over to whatever side they were all the way until you're in a spinal twist. 
It's a great uh, thing to do in both of those poses and bring that connection in your mind and body to what is the bow and arrow? Like, what are you pulling back to shoot forward, right? Kind of thing. And, and can you tap into that heart space, especially like feeling your hand pull across your heart? It's interesting. I teach that one in a class and it's interesting to watch how folks will, they'll draw their hand back across their arm and then they'll just pick up and skip over their heart. And so I have to like really encourage folks to touch and feel their own heart. So you can do that. You can also just do like, I don't know, like a humble warrior is a good one. I'm just thinking of different shapes where you can bring a, a heart opener into. And then maybe even a wheel pose or an upward facing bow pose um, for embodying this energy. And so here are your journal prompts is one, what's your relationship to comfort and nourishment? Are you too comfortable? Do you happen to choose the devil you know over the devil you don't? Do you stay in suffering to avoid being uncomfortable? So this could look like this could show up in like um like you suffer in a relationship because you're avoiding an uncomfortable conversation, that kind of thing, or you are uncomfortable in your body because you avoid uh changing your habits to something that's a little bit more inconvenient to eat food that you know makes you feel better, right? Um, do you are you more likely to choose a pleasurable experience that often leads to suffering because you're staying in pleasure rather than deep comfort, if that makes sense. So that's it's a tricky balance. It is. Also like I know a lot of folks that like, if you wait until you feel like it, this is the Saturn ruled part of me coming out. If you wait until you feel like doing something, you are not going to do it as often as you probably should. And this goes with like going to the gym or whatever, like moving your body in whatever way. Often I do not feel like rolling out my yoga mat or getting exercise, even though I know the benefits. I can think of like a jillion reasons why not to. If that makes sense. Um, so yeah, so just think about that in different um, scenarios, areas of your life, relationships, your relationship to your um, own physical health, diet, this kind of thing. Um, or maybe even career moves. Are you more likely to stay comfortable instead of getting uncomfortable to grow, right? Or on the other hand, are you never able to relax? Do you not allow yourself to enjoy nourishment and comfort because you feel like you haven't earned it or something? So just investigate all of that. I would suspect often that it's both for many of us. There's some of both of those things showing up that we are likely to sort of stay stuck, spinning our wheels, suffering in some situation because we don't want to get uncomfortable to change it, but we also maybe don't let ourselves relax because we don't feel like we deserve it because of whatever external measures. I don't know. Just investigate that. And then second question, what are you hoping to nourish this year? What arrow, what is the arrow that you're hoping will get you there? What are you hoping to... um 
What's the goal? Because now as we trickle into Capricorn season, and especially after this full moon, it will be time to move into that making whatever you're trying to make happen this year happen as we move into February. So this full moon would be a good time to consider what exactly is that and what are you going to pull back to shoot yourself forward like a bow and arrow. So that's all for today. Quick reminder to join us in the Facebook group for the live on Tuesday. If you want to talk more, if you want to learn more about, you know, specifics on why use the sidereal zodiac, why pair your um, yoga with astrology, more tips on like how to do so. Join us for that Facebook live. If you're a yoga teacher specifically, I'm offering a more specific class with like slides and everything called the Creative Sequencing Based on Vedic Astrology Masterclass that will help you overcome things like overwhelm when it comes to class planning, imposter syndrome. If you struggle with those things, join us in that masterclass. It's happening either Saturday, tomorrow, or Monday. So you can go to yogiscopes.com slash masterclass to register. And if you're interested in becoming a trauma-informed Vedic astrologer, yourself. You can go to yogiscopes.com slash AFY to check out the details. The enrollment actually closes on the full moon. I meant to say that. So yeah, join us in the Facebook group. Join us in the master class if one of those things interests you. And please remember to keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Until next time, friends, take care of yourselves.